Okay. Good afternoon, fellow inertial observers. Um, I'm really excited about tonight's podcast. Uh, I am here uh, with uh, quantum computing uh, algorithmist, if you will, uh, Deep Prasad, and UFOologist extraordinaire. Um, I'm really excited. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, and, yeah. you know, don't be shy on the questions tonight. But before <laughs> before we kick off, uh, I'm just going to play a little get to know you with him. So, Deep, why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do in terms of your, your algorithms research or if that's even the right term to use. Yes, yeah, so um, I think it is the right term. I guess uh, generally most people would say quantum information okay. research and so quantum information systems. Um, but really though, like what I actually do is definitely quantum computing algorithm, quantum computing science uh, related matters. So, um, and the difference is, so remember how earlier you said, uh, what about quantum computing engineer? Yeah. Um, and so, so like the, the differences matter now because like we are in a generation where we actually have all these different hardware implementations, right? You have like the adiabatic, um, like quantum annealing, uh, like D-Wave um, mm -hmm. regimes. Mm -hmm. And then you have like, let's say Rigetti and Xanadu and uh, all these other guys like IonQ and so on. So um, what I do is I lead a startup that does research on what's called NISC. So uh, tell me if that's redundant, but uh, have you heard of it? No, NISC? no, no. What? Oh, uh, what is, is it NISK? Or is it Q? Q. So, so NISQ uh, stands for Noisy Intermediate Scale Quantum. That, yeah, so that's the definition for the era of quantum computing that we're in right now when it comes to hardware. And the reason why we call it Noisy Intermediate Scale is because if you want to, first let's think of an abstraction. You have like these metaphorically small quantum computers mm -hmm. that are very noisy. So they can do, they can actually pro process quantum information and we can mm. verify that, right? Uh, and, and But obviously like uh, the problem is that because it's so hard to take and keep consistently long, you know, coherent states um, and just being able to perform these complex quantum computations. That's just like where we were in our infancy of doing that physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so, what, so that's, um, for, yeah. for those of, uh, in the audience who may or may not, but definitely including me, um, what exactly is quantum noise in the context of quantum computing? So in terms of quantum computing, what we want to do is let's take a step back for a second and yeah. think about what a quantum computation is. Okay. Right. So so with classical computation, uh, you have some sort of um, input string, like let's say a bit string, and you want to perform some computation, which can be represented by a series of classical gates. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about classical computation is that any uh, Turing complete algorithm, any uh, universal computation can be represented by a series of AND gates uh, and uh, just like basic mm -hmm. um, logic right, gates, right? right, right? right. So, so that same theory, that meta logic you can say, applies to quantum computing, where you now have a, instead of having a classical input string, you have a quantum state as your input. So that I quantum see. state, it, you can prepare that quantum state in so many ways, right? It can right. be like, yeah, it can be a photon, uh, it can be like, um, based on like using a Josephson junction, like that's how D waves uh, mm -hmm. create their yeah quantum superpositions. So yeah, so you have this quantum state, and now you want to perform some sort of computation, some algorithm onto that quantum state, uh, and that is your quantum algorithm, right? So like uh, that's where 
um, we do a lot of our research, um, which is, uh, and so going back to your question about quantum noise, every time you uh, perform a gate operation, any type of quantum computation, right, mm -hmm. uh, you're introducing, so each gate has some sort of error that uh, it comes with based on like the different hardware and physics of the system. I see. And so, yeah, so that error compiles. Now, uh, if you think about it, this is true for classical computers too. Yeah. We have uh, errors, right? Yeah, they collect as well. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. because we have so many like, classical bits. Like are you talking yeah. about like, for instance, like floating point error and things like that? You got it, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so to deal with like errors like that and just any other you know computation overflow anything uh, like that we deal we use uh, ancillary bits. So there's quantum ancillary bits instead, and then there's quantum error correction where you want to knowing that you have this constraint where you can only keep a coherent state for so long. Mm -hmm. So quantum noise, like let's say in the state. And so in the, um, I'm sorry, I don't want yeah. to interrupt. Just talking about no, um, yeah. You're getting advanced, and it's wonderful. Um, but the term, so quantum coherence is a technical term. Uh, and by all my understanding, it's the kind of, it's the property of a quantum system that's being exploited uh, in a quantum computation is this coherence. This uh, quantum coherence, to me, uh, as a non-quantum you know, quantum, uh, algorithmist, yeah, that's cool. uh, is essentially just means that the wave function is truly quantum it hasn't collapsed it's still you know it, it's in a superposition it's uh it's 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 truly truly quantum uh whereas a you know a quantum decohered state is uh as it were uh a collapsed state something more classical yeah i, I agree absolutely um um in fundamentally uh we want to keep our state as quantum quantum as long as possible in a quantum state knowing that like and, and that's why like let's just quickly tie to some physics examples so people can mm -hmm. visualize something right sure, it sure, doesn't sure. have to be abstracted yeah so consider like let's say a superconducting based quantum computing mm -hmm. um setup where like uh in terms of d-wave or rigetti you have these qubits uh and they represent like the coupling between the qubits, um, the bias between these qubits um, or superconducting wires, that represents your overall quantum state. Um, so, and then you would manipulate that I quantum see. state. So is that yeah, in yeah. some sense the weight, uh, like the uh, coefficient and the wave function is represented by those, uh, like you were saying, those, uh, how much by the biases, yeah, exactly. The Exactly. So, so actually, yeah, like going down that ladder briefly a little bit more, uh, let's take uh, D-Wave, for example. Um, actually, wait, no, uh, we wanted to talk about quantum noise. Let's just finish that. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so um, I fully agree with your definition. So in D-Wave's case, or, N or Rigetti, you know, it doesn't matter what your regime is. Uh -huh. uh, if you're using superconducting, you want to keep it in that superconducting phase for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And so that's an engineering problem because you have to, A, produce the amount of energy, right, and the amount of material science to keep that, like, you know, compact, yeah, cold uh, environment. So, for example, D-Wave uh, operates at, like, 3, 4 millikelvin, right? Right, right, so right. That's like, like thousands of times colder than the coldest point in space. Wow. You can go by like the CMB, like base <laughs> minimum or whatever. So it's cold, right? And so that's where like, that's what we consider noise is anything that uh, increases the energy of I that see, system. I see. Anything that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anything that will interact, whatever. So, that makes sense. and then obviously, yeah, obviously you still have those fundamental problems of like, 
def- defining measurements and, sure, and whatnot. Sure, sure. But, but that, but yeah, but we, yeah, go for it. Um, but uh, I guess what you're saying is that the our our uh, quantum computing isn't, or I guess our material science isn't to the point where the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is the biggest, uh, you know, speed bump in the way right now. But it will be if ideally, actually. I, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, eventually, if we can just like crank our engineering, you know, like right. thousands, millions of times better. Uh, but for what it's worth, and we can get to it later, uh, I don't think the superconducting architecture is going to be the uh, winning uh, quantum computing hardware. I think it's going to be something photonic based, like linear optical quantum computers and stuff. Oh, wow. Like any, anything, yeah, anything with photons. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on this, you know, by itself. Uh, because, oh, I agree. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> I am full of questions, uh, you know, and follow-up questions. The first thing I'm going to do is give that a DJ air horn. Uh, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just real quick, Nathan D asked um, if I'm going to upload this uh, podcast later. Uh, yes, I do plan on doing so. The reason the last one wasn't uploaded uh, was just because uh, there was an echo it was a double input and so if the audio at any point in the show uh doesn't sound like it's coming from a microphone that i spent you know three hundred dollars on please let me know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it makes sense <laughs> yeah because then we can just go to a commercial break um okay so did you have another direction you wanted to take it uh after that um yeah other than that like the other thing is just like just pr- being able to um type to something physical so like right. let's just complete tie, the d-wave example um tie what to something physical so so like tying the uh idea of a quantum computation so uh and just like the idea of noise and putting that together i see i see so yeah so so solve some sort of um problem on a quantum computer there's like two kinds of uh schools of thought or like two kinds of uh, models of quantum computation uh-huh. um, you can think of it as quantum annealing so these are like optimization based problems that you can solve quantum with what? quantum annealers quantum, anne- quantum annealing what, yeah what is anne- that? like so a quantum annealer is a system where essentially you have a uh, starting ground state of a quantum superposition where uh-huh. you have a bunch of different qubits and they're all connected to each other mm-hmm. um, and they're in an equal superposition so we assume that like, because this is a known ground state, this is the state that we want to stay in, um, except we introduce, uh, so this is your first Hamiltonian, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we introduce a second Hamiltonian, and that uh, second Hamiltonian is a problem Hamiltonian, which is what you want to solve. Uh, so, so like we, a perturbation in, case, in a way. Uh, absolutely, exactly, and so, exactly. So you're adding these little bits of energy uh, to the system, um, and you want to uh, mix these two Hamiltonians together uh-huh. uh, and add, add them together while staying in the ground state that you started in when you were in that equal superposition. And so, mm. when what what that and so uh, quantum annealing is when you're using an annealing system, you're introducing energy and you're trying to anneal the system and stay in that ground state. Uh, while while you see what I mean. So, so in some sense, like, like for those of you who know like thermodynamics, it sounds like a quasi-static process, but applied to quantum mechanics i mean uh like you're turning on the perturbation constant ever larger and larger um and tracking that behavior is that more or less reasonable i I think it is um so uh, so there's only one thing that i would add to it which is that like uh so let's imagine the eigenspectrum for a second so like 
so you have the energy, uh, all the possible energy states mm -hmm. on the side, and then you have time on this side. Mm -hmm. So when I was describing the annealing state, you need to imagine um, my uh, like graph going like this. So like you're staying in the ground state. So that's one possible right, path right. Uh, of your yeah Hamiltonian. Uh -huh. So it's possible that I end up in other energy I can like. Uh, possible paths right and those are are higher energy states uh and i don't want that right i want to stay in the lowest right. possible one because in theory if i uh, map my problem correctly the lowest energy uh value is the answer to my problem like the optimal mm. uh answer to my problem mm. so so that's why you want to stay in that yeah lowest the whole time physically though that's very difficult because you can anneal too quickly and then you're uh you end up in other higher energy uh, states um you wow. jump to them yeah um or yeah so it's really, like really you... fascinating <laughs> like it really yeah. i mean it really um i mean it sounds like you know the things that you're saying are you know a physical manifestation of everything i learned in my quantum mechanics courses uh, <laughs> that's amazing and, I, I like that. yeah i mean because like you're saying all these buzzwords that you you know that you don't as a theorist you don't ever really think about you're like oh you turn on the perturbation slowly you know well what the hell does that mean you know you don't think about it but you're you know describing it in this way uh that right. you literally control uh how strong that's the right. coupling is between that's this right. quantum coherent state and this new hamiltonian the perturbation that you're trying to introduce and it, it's awesome Wow. Yeah. No, no, it, it is. It is amazing. And like, so, uh, by the way, my background uh, is just in engineering, right? Like I jumped right into quantum computing uh, right after, um, like literally within days, uh, wow. you can say. So, um, and, and the key thing about it is that quantum computing is that intersection where you're forced to like look at the real world and the hard constraints that that brings you. And mm -hmm. then also like learn like crazy and in depth and master like the theory between like quantum information and see that interplay. Right, right. And, and it's so fun. It's like such an interesting intellectual challenge. Yeah, no, but that's awesome. But that being said, so like, yeah, so we research how to like use these computers now and fundamentally how to prepare for uh, the future too. Um, that being said though, like I think we should switch to UFOs too. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure. Okay, so I don't, um, so I've got, some questions um now yeah. um but i do want to encourage the audience because i've noticed um even though you know the attendance is quite high tonight um to encourage to submit the question you know any questions you have uh, about ufos or yeah. um hopefully not quantum computing anymore because i have as just as many questions as you and we can dedicate a whole podcast to that if we wanted to um but um a wiley is here okay anyways <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'll just, you know, uh, go ahead and get the ball rolling, uh, and we're going to go ahead and shift topics to, uh, UFOlogy. So my first question is, um, what would you say is the most credible, um, UFO kind of, not just one sighting, not this, but kind of account that is accessible to the public as well? Definitely the USS Nimbus and USS Princeton cases, like they were mm -hmm. both together, right? So this is the 2004. And so this is uh, the incident. one that was released recently by the Trump administration, right? The Nimitz? Okay. You got it. So so, so for background, like just for your audience, because... Right, uh, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, so in case, um, yeah, people don't know. Um, so 
2017, uh, the Pentagon program declassified a program that was dedicated to researching UFOs and other mm -hmm. like phenomena that were related to this. And when did that start? So, I'm just curious. When did that program start? Um, I believe that started in 2005 or 2007. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, uh, here's the thing, though. Like for uh, really 70 years, the Pentagon had kept an official um, status about UFOs as uh, something that they weren't interested in. They said mm. that anything. Yeah. Anytime uh, you know um, somebody says UFO, what we mean is like drones and stuff like that. There's no such thing as a real, right. like something we can't actually identify. Right. Like that. That's that. That's yeah, silly. So it, this was from just a historical perspective, regardless of belief or not. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a big move right. for somebody right. for them to just like say, "Just kidding, we've actually been looking into this thing for a long time." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and, and now uh, here you go, plebs. Like, we're gonna tell you a little bit, and and so of a huge wave of people like me like i joined eventually mm -hmm. uh just because like i caught that right like right. i i i just like to like yeah think about trans and um so um anyways uh there was this uh yeah kind of like paradigm shift you can say within the field of what's called ufology mm -hmm. so before this there was like believers and like these like disparate movements that had come about right but there was nothing that was this groundbreaking where like the world's most powerful nation right comes out with this program right so so now that we have this background um going back to the most like uh i guess easily accessible case and like the best one like the mm -hmm. the most yeah so most compelling is the one that this program studied, and that was the USS Nimitz case. Okay. So, so that's the 2004 UFO incident where uh, the Top Gun pilot, like this guy's one of the, like the six out of six thousand, like six highest ranking military officer, like uh, yeah, on he the knows ship, his way like, around the sky. Yeah, he knows his way. Yeah, he's logged thousands, tens of thousands of hours. You know, like right. he's handling like tens of millions of dollars of equipment just like flying. You know, this guy. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he he's like a um, yeah. So he's like, um, and it's not like he was just like casually flying, and then he sees like something that he couldn't identify, and he's like, "Holy crap, aliens exist!" Right, right. right. Like he, you know, he's like, and then he just like ran away. Like, yeah, he didn't no, do that. I, no, yeah. <laughs> no. So actually, what happened was you have to put yourself back in 2004. Um, mm -hmm. You're you're operating these two ships. So there's the USS Prince, uh, the Princeton. And then there's USS Nimitz. Um, so the Princeton uh, is kind of just like doing radar detection stuff. So you have this guy, his name's Kevin Day, mm -hmm. and he's been tracking, he's been using literally the world's most advanced radar systems at the time okay. to track what's, uh, what seems to be anomalous objects. Uh, so mm -hmm. these systems had a max range of 80,000 feet. Um, so beyond 80,000 feet, it, it could be from higher or lower, right? Like mm -hmm. just above 80,000. Um, so he saw that these objects would like render at the 80,000 feet mark and then they would drop at 20,000 feet uh, mm. and then they would drop again. The scan rate like on the radar for that, I mean like what could be, you know, because he's ground based, right? Um, and what could be, because I know, you know, the radar makes sweeps and so what would be the sweep rate that could, I mean what's the error I guess is a better question on that sweep rate. Is it, because it can't be, you know, what yeah. you just said. Yeah, no, uh, no, I, I agree. So like, uh, it's a question um, that I would have to ask him. But one thing that you need to keep in mind is that mm -hmm. when they're making these observations is that 
uh, he's not just like um, looking at his own radar systems. Mm. Uh, he's corroborating it with a set of different systems. Mm. So at, yeah, at any given time, these like naval guys, they're always working uh, together mm-hmm. and putting together information. So you have satellite data coming in, you have data coming in from nearby jets and stuff mm. uh, and the other ship too. So, so yeah, so, so at first, uh, first of all, um, they thought that this was an error. Like, uh, mm-hmm. so this guy was like, this is not possible. Right. Uh, Right. So like um, he actually turned off his systems, reset it. They recalibrated all of their systems. Mm-hmm. And instead, they ended up seeing more of these objects what? rather than. Yeah. None of these <laughs> objects. I, I know um, sometimes some days. Um, I've never heard of that before. Like, I mean, I, mean, I didn't hear. So that this is all public. It. Yeah. Really? Well, well it, yeah, it's all, it's all so like this is the kind of stuff I do. Right. Like what I'm right, not doing right. on a computing right. is I like look at these details. Wow, so like I, I know it. Right. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I, I agree. It's amazing, unnerving, it could, because like when you think about it, because uh, so Kevin, like he's not my good friend. He's a CEO of an organization that I'm also the VP tech of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like uh, he the radar operator. So he, this guy attracted uh, 15 of them at one point um, from radar. And then he, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the radar. Um, yeah. So he eventually at like week two decided that it was time to intercept these things because it was something that sure, they couldn't tag. Yeah. 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 They, they couldn't tag them. So uh, and like two weeks already is abnormal. Like normally if something is unidentified for that long, you know, something's. Uh, yeah. So so it was just because it was so like I feel like from just a side note from a psycho psychological perspective. Yeah. He probably just didn't know what to think about it for so long. Right. And then after week two, he's just like, all right, this is enough. Like, what, what, what am I looking at? Right. You know, so, so, and so, so were they said, always in the same yeah. like location or were they, because they weren't, you know, because like you said, they weren't tagged, they weren't able to be tracked really in any way, but he said that he was getting more and more, you know, occurrences of these things. Was it just kind of in the same general area? And in, and it was just the, all these occurrences of these things moving at these insane vertical and lateral speeds on radar. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So it wasn't both a in the general area and some, like most often there was an observed track pattern. So like mm. they would almost always follow like a predictable pattern. And then interesting, uh, really at, at one point just disappear. Hmm. Uh, and, and to my knowledge, and maybe it's classified, maybe they figured it out. Um, mm. we, we, we don't know where they disappeared to. We just know that this is where they can go. Except, and so one of the main uh, like exceptions was this case when they got intercepted. Mm. So when, when, when somebody finally oh, sent, and that's, sent a plane to okay. mess with these things, to check these out, yeah. these things responded, right? So like that's like now things are getting uh, scary like, and or like so, weird. And so yeah, essentially yeah. that's the background behind that Nimitz footage that we see uh, exactly. is that why would yeah. they send them, you know, it's two weeks went by. This guy thought he was crazy. And then yeah. he spoke to somebody and they were like, okay, it's time to intercept these. And this is what happened. Exactly. Exactly. And they didn't just send like, you know, some like rookie kid, like who's right, learning right, how to right. fly. Like, they, they said their best, like the right, best of, of the best. And right. this guy, like, like, uh, they have a squadron, you know, they're, they're like, uh, they, they fly out to go and intercept this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, they're flying up to the, what's called now the Tic Tac. So this is what, this right. is how he describes it. Right. So like, uh, commander favor, that's the name of the guy who's leading the squadron. Um, what he sees is this like, 50 foot long cylinder uh tank like uh, he estimated was about that size about the size of his jet actually like in length but it's perfectly round with like 
uh, two like little legs sticking out mm-hmm. at the bottom. Um, and that's it. And it's moving around like a ping pong. So wow. imagine seeing a jet, and, but it's like it's moving like this. Wow. Like, yeah, that to, for us, like that's just, just that's hard for me to even visualize. Right. Like and conceptualize like something that big. Right. right. Moving that weirdly. So so he says immediately that caught his attention and he sees like this disturbance under the water. And so one of our chief scientists, uh, he's a former NASA scientist and current professor of physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, his hypothesis is that d- that disturbance under the water was a just a whale that was submerged. And this thing was just hovering over it. Um, but but okay. who knows, right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So so this Tic Tac object uh, is uh, zigzagging. And then um, when he got close enough, when he's flying, mm-hmm. uh, this thing stops. Uh, and then it kind of like points his tail like his tit or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, at, at him, like essentially acknowledging he's there and right. like start barreling towards him. Uh, and so like they enter in what, like, um, it's like some sort of like aerial maneuver, they call it. Right. And so he's basically ready to like, you know, either get owned. Right. Yeah, and like, yeah. and, and so both him and the other pilots that were involved, they all said they had no idea how to fight this thing. Right. It could move way it could go anywhere it wanted. They were out like weapon right. completely. Right. Like a, they, yeah. So so that's like a, and when this is your day to day job and you're actually up there in the middle of the air and you're seeing something that you know you have no way of like rationalizing like right. easily or just like understanding uh, uh, um, simply. So this is so, the first time yeah. that I've heard that um, kind of seeing it and you know nose to nose and trying to get it. Um, because on footage, it, because that that's not the footage based on my understanding, right? The footage is them barely being able to even start to track this thing. That's yeah. So that's after. So oh, so this okay. is like yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So now that's because this thing started just speeding up uh, ahead of them, mm-hmm. and they start chasing it. Uh, so like it wasn't just like it didn't actually like you know mm-hmm. run into him or something. It, it was kind of like you can say spooking him out whatever it was it it didn't actually yeah go the full way it just like jets off this way and they yeah and he him and the other guys uh, they start chasing it and so you said Um, that they were nose to nose at some point is there footage of that or do we not know is it it it, 10 minutes worth of footage uh and to my understanding there's footage that's less than a couple hundred feet like very crystal clear stuff i see Uh, but that hasn't but that wasn't part of the um, no, that's so not part of the release. What I you see. see is what you see. Right. And, and that, like, yeah, like, womp, 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 you know, like, <laughs> sound effects, okay. not high enough parents. Yeah, let's go, uh, wow. Owen Wilson. Um, okay, so, uh, Lucas uh, um, asked a question a while ago. He said, this is a question for you, Deep. He said, uh, I imagine that there's a lot of stigma in academia for a physicist to openly and seriously talk about UFOs. Um, what has the, uh, What has been your experience with that? have your peers started treating you differently in, in inside uh, academia? Yeah. So, um, surprisingly not, um, initially it was a bit of like, at least some of my mentors who are like, you know, these guys are like hardcore physicists, right. like top of their fields. They were like, what are you doing? You know, like, like yeah. shut up. Like, st- I don't care what you believe. Stop tweeting about this. You know, like they were <laughs> really, more, really, yeah, as they like were, a, and you were an un- as an undergrad or, this was, um, yeah, I was uh, one month out of undergrad, I think. Really? A couple months, actually. And they just months. told you to stop tweeting about it just because, like, you didn't, I mean, because you were working for their company, they didn't want, you know, this stuff. <laughs> no, not, I didn't. It's not because I worked for their company or anything. Uh-huh. This was, like, uh, so this was one of my uh, friends who, like, 
you know, we're both friends. Annie is a mentor. He's really ahead in the field of quantum computing. Like right. he has algorithms. He's he had like named after him. He's as like a high up scientist at Google X, like that kind of guy right. uh, researching for quantum tech. So like uh, he was the kind of person who initially was like, bro, like, what are you doing? You know, um, <laughs> but then like over uh, weeks um, and then I guess like a couple of months went by, uh, we just kept talking about it. And uh, actually the news started like talking about UFOs a lot all of a sudden, mm. like it was just everywhere. Um, and then he calls me up. He's like, like, you know, like completely changed. Like his tune is basically and like since then, you know, we've been like talking about it and it's less about debating whether this is something worth investigating. It's more like, yeah, like, oh, well, what if this is how this is uh, how this is real. Right. And the cool part is that these kind of conversations have actually inspired research on both our ends. Wow. So there's research that he can point to that was published through Google X. Yeah, mm. that, that was like, wow. you know, that came out of this thought experiment that uh, we were running one time about like trying to reverse engineer a random material that's given to us of unknown uh, composition, given random uh, like electrical properties or like yeah properties and of so, the system. And so yeah. it was given to you as purported uh, recovery material uh, from a crash or something, or so this was like uh, th the idea was like coming more from a thought experiment. But yeah, actually, like it's funny that you went there to answer your question. There are materials that um, some of my colleagues and myself have handled. Some of my colleagues are actually publishing papers on them um, as we speak mm -hmm. on materials that are purported to come from these craft. Um, so that's one thing, by the way, this uh, Pentagon program looked at as well. And is are they able to Crash name the 3. source of kind of where they came from, like who gave them to these people? Certainly. But you're not allowed yeah. to tell the public or maybe you are. I don't know. I, like um, so some of these samples come from uh, the San Augustine crash. Um, so essentially what we're doing is we're looking at uh, whether these uh, samples, um, first of all, uh, match the initial studies. So the initial studies say that the isotopic ratios of these samples mm -hmm. are uh, far beyond terrestrial ratios. So right off the bat, that means that it has to be a meteorite or something made of a meteorite. Mm -hmm. And these samples are actually very clearly manufactured. They're not nowhere clear and close to that yeah level of like disordered stuff. I see. So, so what we want to do is first of all ensure that those ratios are legit, right? Mm -hmm. And like. Make sure that there's no prosaic explanation. But then we have partners and we have friends uh, who have, uh, for example, Tom DeLong, the yeah. Blink-182 guy, yeah. the most unexpected person ever. <laughs> well, I to don't be know. In. I used to listen to Aliens Exist on the radio. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, a great no, song. No. I love that song. No, I agree. Me too, man. It's a, it's a classic, especially now. Like it, it, it hits differently. Yeah, no, he was oh. giving hints for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It was it was meant to happen for him. Like he was gonna make this happen. No, so um, so his team because he has all these guys from the Department of Defense, uh, CIA, Intel, um, you know, like guy like the guy from uh, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. He's like he was the head of Lockheed Skunk Works for thirty years. He left to join Tom DeLonge's company. Right. So like wow. Tom has like Tom has crazy massive pull. Like he literally has like like people second degree and first degree connections. That's you know, crazy. President stuff. I know, right? And they're all centered on UFOs. Like that's <laughs> they're like we don't care what you think. Like like right, we're out here. Right, right. I love it. Okay, so we got a couple other <laughs> yeah. questions actually for you. Sure. Um, so um, this one's by uh, Tyler Hewlett. Um, he says deep. 
uh, quote-unquote meteorite is something very different from quote-unquote extrasolar meteorite slash non-solar isotopic ratio. He's asking you if you can elaborate on that. Yeah, so when we mean, um, yeah, when we mean extraterrestrial uh, isotopic ratios, we mean all of the above. So all we're looking for is whether some sort of natural geophysical cause uh, can create the deviation in the isotopic ratios that we're seeing, or whether it's just like not uh, in this solar system or outside the solar system, you know, or what, or from some uh, unknown process like the isotopic ratios, that's one thing I'll mention, which is why we're checking it. Yeah, so uh, I just want to mention to the viewers, I'm sure they could tell by the etymology, but isotopic ratios is, honestly, my guess is just the ratio of different isotopes, you know, in a given material. Uh, uh, to, yeah, for each for each element. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so like, 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 let's say you have the isotopes, uh, isotopes of nickel. Right. Um, and I sample some material. And I calculate, uh, on average, how often do I see the first isotope of nickel versus the second and the third? Mm -hmm. and, and then I just, yeah, so, so that's what I mean by those ratios. And so the reason why we're interested in that is because if I have, like, let's say a weird rock that somebody says came from space, it's right. not from the solar system, right? Sure. What we would do is, sure, let me sample it. And I see the nickel and I look at the ratios of those isotopes wow. because it came from a different part of the star system. In theory, like our predictions, um, and they've been reliable, uh, say that the ratio should be different by at least 1%, by the way. Like, that's okay. usually the rule Okay, of so that's the sigma is 1% difference. Fair enough. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So like if you're and so we're looking at things that have up to 30 uh, percent uh, uh, differences. So like the ratio differences wow, 30 percent. What? I know, man. I know. <laughs> That's why like it's strange. Uh, and it's more artificial than that. They're equally distributed. So like huh. some of these, if you have like three isotopes of a element, uh, it'll be in 30 thirds. 33 percent like it's like like that's as if freaky. they specifically yeah. change the isotopic ratio so that's a level of nuclear physics control that we just don't have it would cost a lot of energy and in general and why yeah, would, so it's not even obvious why one would do that exactly yeah it, exactly so so that's one of the biggest problems in this field for the people who are the actual scientists who are like on in the front lines the people that you know most people some people that they'll never know about like you D. D you're on the front <laughs> lines you're a scientist on the front lines fair man thank you well well like you know you're helping me like you know yeah no get this kind of like world out there yeah uh, no i mean you haven't thinkers. there's no there's been no tinfoil hats uh tonight that anybody said to put on awesome yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right on so so like uh so these guys they're constantly asking what is the point of this it's less and like why is this like this like what how is this even this? You know what I mean? Right, it's right. less, it's less, uh, yeah, uh, other questions. So it's very fundamental, um, which is like humbling, um, I feel. So, right. so going back to Tom DeLong, though, I really want to sure, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Up again. Yeah, so I brought him up because, like, um, answering your question about, like, can we point to, like, origin? Tom has some cool pieces. And, like, one of his pieces was given to him from the Air Force. Uh, and this yeah man i know <laughs> isn't that wild that's something like, i that's a sentence i never thought i'd hear <laughs> tom yeah, DeLong in air force <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> but there you go <laughs> and so this piece essentially um i believe it was done through electron microscopy like the experiment mm -hmm. um but so 
what they did was they measured uh, there's a way of like uh, firing a laser at this specific piece um, and like it's a metal fragment from a perpetrated UFO um, what it does is it accelerates the speed of an electron as it uh, is fired at the uh, metal so if the metal isn't towards it um, or away from it Sorry, uh, it goes towards it uh, faster. Faster, okay. So, yeah, yeah, it accelerates. Um, so without adding any extra, like changing the electrical field or any other potential difference, accounting for all that, it still somehow speeds up. So like it's we're not actually doing anything to the system. Uh, like that's obvious. For like the other than just by, yeah, yeah. For the listeners who are not aware, that violates F equals ma. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, clearly, very, very straightforward. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Uh, and so that's what that's why like and so that's why Tom DeLong comes in. Isn't that another weird yeah, sentence? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> to follow up with. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> so his team Tom is cool, like he's a good guy, but like he has actual scientists, like uh, we were talking right, about right, frontline right. scientists yeah. uh with a good track record who who study these things, you know. Um and and they're also just like normal aerospace engineers and material science engineers. So these are the people who are working with the Air Force and, and currently with the Army through the CRADA agreement that they have. And that's public too, right? That like made news that uh, th the Army has teamed up with an official UFO like company. Right, right. Uh, like, yeah, well, yeah. What is I that mean, about? Yeah, I mean, that's a statement all of itself, you know? I mean, um, <laughs> so I mean, fascinating stuff. Um, so... Uh, Lucas VB, it looks like somebody gave us a thumbs down. I don't know if it was your uh, previous advisor that you were talking about, but if you're watching this, <laughs> no, um, shameless plug, if you're watching this uh, and you like this in the previous podcast, give us a thumbs up. Um, you know, give me a subscribe if you want. If you don't, that's fine too. I'll have Deep on more. Um, it sounds like he's a lot to talk about and it's all very interesting. So, okay. So, Lucas VB. Likewise, man. Thank you. You with another question. Um, it says concerning the samples. Um, awesome. Uh, how can I search for these publications on these samples once they come out? That's a good question. So, so there are some that are already out. I would okay. say start with that. So, so look up Jacques Vallée. That's like the, the French like spelling. Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's Peter Sturrock, uh, and, and like that's the Uba Tuba material. So U U B A, uh, yeah, Uba uh, Tuba T U B A. Okay. So Uba Tuba. And so those are two uh, examples. So those are publications, yeah, that already exist on anomalous materials, very similar to what I was talking about. Fascinating. Um, and so yeah, yeah. So it's like here's the point. Like they, it's not like these guys are saying uh, here, therefore aliens exist. Right. Right. right like yeah. these guys. These guys are just like trying to get it scientifically accepted that there can be these materials that just are just unaccounted for, unexplained. Period. Right. Absolutely. And um, they were published in what the archive or I mean, uh, I guess it's not published. They, so this guy is a Stanford scientist, um, and they published in some sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a right. DJ Airhorn. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even use that as part of your argument. What now? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I need to get like that app with the air horn. Yeah, <laughs> Although yeah. like now that we're quarantined, like it would be weird to just play it out loud to that's myself. True, that's true. <laughs> so you were saying this one guy was a Stanford scientist. I mean, these are all reputable guys is your point. And that's right. He, he, uh, Jacques Vallée as well. So he was a scientist at Stanford Research Institute and he's one of the fathers, uh, the first 200 people to work on the internet. Uh, and he's also one, like if not the most famous ufologist. 
so like uh so this that's what he's been doing like as well on the side like lifelong passion and uh so yeah he's like uh somebody who's published a lot of papers already um on the stuff and he's publishing more like as we speak right on right on so there you go um so daniel whiteson um a particle physics professor here at uc irvine uh has asked the question what kind of alcohol goes with ufo talk <laughs> um coke <laughs> you what rum and coke <laughs> oh okay fair enough yeah i got tequila and sweet stuff so uh nice. all my That's good mix. <laughs> yeah all my listeners know that i'm into the tequila um okay Archim- good to know. archimedes response to daniel whiteson is outer spice and vodka um and daniel whiteson says archimedes gin and topic ratios <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah that was that's clever awesome. that's clever yeah that's awesome okay so um we have another question here by tyler hewlett um it says isotopic ratios uh if of a funny enough type could prove uh that it would have taken a billion dollars to make said material does this suggest beyond earth tech um no it needs to be beyond like any amount of money that we can possibly put in like trillions billions of dollars so some of the so we're looking for isotopic ratios that are just physically impossible based on the energy requirements it would take to move that uh, it's not so, so my so, yeah. thing it's just like how you know given correct the big thing you know the big machines we have that we know we have is it possible exactly. yeah exactly so some it is some is super simple some elements with their isotopic but but some yeah are, are not but in the end of the day though it's tom DeLong's pieces that are like <laughs> like the hail mary like that is what you want to like physically understand and publish right but because it's like a, a matter of national security uh like good luck learning more than what i'm what i can say about it right like and like this is already public knowledge you can find it out too so yeah no i mean that's you know that's one of the things you know i feel like is uh calls for kind of repeating is that these people aren't all ufologists they are that's right none of them are besides tom ashley that's what they say right it's true i mean they're just people i mean who are working in the name of defense mostly that's Uh, right and that's right and, you know, if somebody else gets a hold or maybe to say in an unbiased way, not gets a hold, but discovers this new uh, kind of exotic state of, I don't want to say state of matter, but this exotic kind of material that has these properties, yeah. emergent yeah. properties that, you know, that's right. uh, we didn't know, then that's a huge threat. It is. It, it is. Ex- uh, that's exactly it. Because these guys are thinking, mm. can somebody replicate this? Uh, um, incorporate into the propulsion technology and beat us, um, right. right? Like, uh, and, and so, um, and on top of that, it's not like for them. It's not like just will somebody figure this out? They're seeing actual craft, unidentified right, craft, right. spend tons of money investigating right. these things too. So somebody has no, figured it out. <laughs> exactly. So it's only a matter of time somebody else will. So if right. they're too stupid to, it's their loss. Right. And so you have some people who are truly thinkers and they're like real patriots and you know they have the reasons. Right. Those are the guys who are out there like saying, "All right, like somebody's got to do something." You know, like they're like right. the tribesmen seeing the airplane and yeah. saying, "Yo, like, are, is there like a city nearby? Like, right. what is this?" <laughs> that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, that's kind of what we all are in some sense. <laughs> yeah, that, I like that. That's very true, man. A lot of like, and that's what like pulls me to theoretical physics and like our 
like love for it, right? right. It's the same idea, like this like uh, idea of learning the true nature of nature, just digging further. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and um, so I would love to go into that more, but we got some actual, uh, we got actually a good amount of questions to catch up to. Awesome. Cool, so man. Lucas VB, um, what do you, uh, he asks, uh, what do you mean they were quote unquote clearly manufactured? Uh, do they have any interesting microscopic structure? Yeah, so under a scanning electron microscope, what we saw were that normally when you when you look at a meteorite, you see rent a lot of disorders. So at any scale that you're looking at, whether it's like a hundred magnification, a thousand, you'll always see these like fact-like patterns and, and whatnot. Instead, what you see is something similar to alloys that are 3D printed, uh, you, you can say, or like manufactured in some sort of um, yeah way that you would create an alloy, very ordered three whole way through at any magnification. So like a so kind of lasagna. I like that. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> great way of visualizing it. And so, yeah, imagine taking lasagna. I like that. Throwing Very it through thin. the atmosphere yeah. and expecting it to keep its composition, right? Like, so like we know for a fact that it would be very difficult to keep something that actually, if it was a meteorite, you know, came through our atmosphere to even keep that order composition. That's true. Like, yeah. e even if it was a meteorite, which is already very uh, low probability. And, and, and these materials um, have been verified to have actually come through the atmosphere and... No, oh, okay. we, we don't know where they came from, right? Keep that in mind. They've, they were dug from a crash site that was supposedly a place where a UFO crashed. Okay. Like that, that's all we, that's all we can say about Fine. it. So Fair enough. Need to know basis, if you will. Um, um, it, it's like, these are civilians who found it. So oh, the, the, okay. the, the real, like, if you want to know the actual background, um, like there was, and we can like, there's a paper trail. There was a military operation that happened around a perpetrated crash site of something. Well, I guess, okay, hold uh, back, on. Before we go into yeah. that, um, in terms sure. of answering directly Lucas Phoebe's question of being clearly manufactured, um, your answer is uh, that very, very thin layering of these different, um, I mean, it... it, it I, maintaining order and structure uh right similar to that of an alloy yeah okay. yeah no matter how deep yeah okay so I, I i think that's um uh let us know if that didn't sufficiently answer your question lucas um yeah. and we'll definitely get to it in a second um but yeah so the only reason i'm kind of cutting it is a little bit is just because you know there's some other questions um in latro um again a while uh says some of these some of these have structures that can act as waveguides. I think maybe she's referring to your accelerating uh, electron towards right. this right. material. And that's an assertion. There's no question mark, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, perfect. So, um, A51's question says, do you think it's possible that materials are not manufactured on a nanomolecular level? but instead on a level of electrons and protons or perhaps, you know, a larger kind of relation. So this could be more of like an interesting question for you too. I, I no, want no, no. you to yeah. tell me what yeah. you think I mean, this. my mind, you but, know, the but, gears were kind of going on that. Right? One. Yeah. yeah. So, so the way that I see it right now mm. is that like engineering is still a new level. Like we have additive manufacturing, like we're trying to get like self-assembly going, you know, in hardcore nanotech, which is still not going to happen anytime soon. Right. Uh, like stuff like that. Um, but if you wanted to go like if you, I don't know, like 
zoom in like a thousand years or something, then probably we would get bored of like our level of control and go deeper into the uh, lower levels of matter, like deeper into like manipulating. We're already manipulating quantum states for quantum computing, right? So right. like, so so yeah. I don't. know, What do you think? Yeah. No. I mean, unfortunately, this is you know not my mo if i were a condensed matter theorist or experimentalist this would be precisely i mean the kind of question i would you know salivate over um <laughs> do i think that you know we're not actually you know that it's not an understanding a deeper understanding of fundamental on its base enhance but rather um there's a relationship an emergent relationship if you will among certain atoms how they react because i mean it's extremely difficult. I mean, you know, you, yeah, I, I don't know of any, and I could be wrong of any, um, code you can run that just says, okay, you pour this liquid and this liquid together. This is the exact reaction you're going to have. And this is exactly how long it's going to run. This is in that, in that, not, not, not yet. So, so there's a field in quantum chemistry, like, uh, well, quantum right. computing, but my, right. That tries. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is that if it is, at that point, there's going to be a lot of shorthands. There's going to be a lot of ad hoc, well, you know, totally. kind of rules, which are fine. Yeah. But, right. you know, that's not the fundamental physics predicting those rules. Right. Uh, there's a lot of observation mixed with, uh, I guess, um, you know, chemistry. I agree. Things like that. Yeah, those I mean, like the, yeah, that's true. like the octet rule, what the fuck? Why? You know, <laughs> like, 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 fair, like we can like skip through the material stuff and just ask that question. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a fundamental, I mean, in, in my kind of, uh, I guess I, don't, I hate using the word opinion, but in my conviction, if you will, sure. um, there's a deeper fundamental relationship, uh, that, that could, uh, in principle tell you exactly why this octet rule is so clearly optimal. Uh, but right. You know, because nature can't count to eight, I don't think. So <laughs> no, probably probably not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like numbers. What are those? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You know, does nature divide by zero? So, um, Daniel Whiteson, um, is googling, uh, is googling this term called uh the ubatuba. Is I say that right? Or yeah, ubatuba materials. The ubatuba is a finely textured granite with a blend of black, golden, and gray minerals, along with green spotting. Its sparkle renders it ideal for interior applications. So um, it looks like he's so, saying it's a natural um, thing. Like it's a naturally rising thing. It's well known. Um, I would like, so first of all, um, I'm not sure if he read the paper and if we're talking about the same thing, right? Like I'm not sure what the fragment looks like. I don't remember. I know that it was dark. Uh, so I'm not sure if this is also the name of something. So it's worth like him checking and okay, making sure enough. that like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely post a follow up on that. Um, thank you for, yeah. thank you for Googling, um, by the way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so I would love to like, I'll send you the paper so he doesn't have to keep like Googling around and then right, he can right. research after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you said the kind of structure of the, of the, uh, the isotropic ratios, isotopic ratios were something in this kind of, can really, really, you know, nicely configured way that and it's just called Ubatuba. So that was, uh, that's different. So, uh, okay. I'll, okay. I'm I'm glad you're asking yeah, that. yeah, I yeah, must okay, have been okay. confused on that. 
it's the tequila. no all good that means that somebody else is probably too <laughs> so so no worries um first of all the isotopic ratios i was talking about that's all the samples my team of physicists are handling so i have two he's a professor of physics they both are the other guy like he's for now preferring not to like be pub public but they work together and we're looking at this piece, uh, the one with the weird isotopic ratios. Okay. The Ubatuba example is what's already published out there. Um, based on, like, it's been peer-reviewed. Uh, you can see all the different tests that were done on it. Is this the and one look that at their isotopic the, ratios. Is this the one? No. That, no, it's not the one. That's that different. Okay, okay. No, that, that I guarantee, well, not guarantee, but we'll probably never see a paper on the one that I was describing where it accelerates uh, electron. And why do you think that is? Um, because, like I said, like, it's because it's, uh, to deal with the Air Force um, and it's oh, to deal with right, military right, right. matters. So this yeah, is it's national the, security right. like the whole way through. It's, so this yeah, is so this is the so okay. So that material is the one I, I think I remember correctly with that. Tom yeah. Tom DeLong, right? You got it right, exactly. Said that he the OG material. Right. You can call it that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, I think that's th this is such a difficult ground to walk for. You know, a scientist. It is. You know, totally. Oh, 100%. You know, who's 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 not lose the respect of his peers. And I mean, and, you know, and I mean, because but, you know, at the same time, I do wish scientists were, you know, OK enough uh, with being uh, wrong, kind of going outside the box, you know, putting on a mini tinfoil hat every now and then um, just because like I think that's how, you know, I mean, I'm at, once you let your when I'm trying to come up with an animation, you know. Yeah. It's only when I really let my imagination kind of go crazy is That's when awesome. I, you know, is when I come up with something. Yeah, I get you know, that. Really yeah, great. totally. And I mean, like, so what? You know, we're wrong. You know, I'm not preaching it as truth. And, you know, uh, you know, deep, you know, as well, you know, presents, yeah, exactly. pre presents his caveats. Um, but he does, you know, I don't want to undersell um, the authority. You know, he says he, you know, or, or I guess the the sources, he says, you know, which, which, yeah. with which he's come from. So, um, yeah, it, it is, I, just from my perspective, it's a very, very difficult line to walk. Um, because personally, you know, I know that line, I know the line between somebody over speculating and just going crazy. Like I can watch the most wild UFO documentary and be like, okay, okay, okay. That conclusion's overreaching this and that, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, any more yeah, documentation, yeah. fine, this and that. And like, I can do that. Um, but I feel like there's this um very very difficult thing to convince your fellow scientists of uh you know it is and, it, and it's gonna take you know i i i don't want to offend anybody by the way right when i say this but you're going to so, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it really feels like we're back you know uh, um trying to prove that the earth is not the center of the universe like and, and some people are getting it just some will never uh, in this in my lifetime, you know, like I'm I'm ready for that. Right. But like I see like young scientists, dude, young scientists who are like like really ahead of their you know in their career, they're good at what they do, like yourself and like my mentor, you know, like these guys are actually different though. They have a different mindset. So right. that's like a good thing to look forward to. And it's not like that's not true for older generations. It's just more rare. Um so yeah. like one of my other uh, guys, like I work with him closely. He's a world leading Stanford scientist, geneticist, he's a professor um, his name's Gary Nolan, amazing person. His research is super cool, uh, and he's working on experiencers. So, like, he's uh, looking at the brains of people who claim to have interacted with these things, and also a lot of them are military people, so they can prove that they were 
in the presence of like UAPs and UFOs and whatnot. So he like looks at after effects, health effects, um, and whether there's any relation. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so um, Lucas VB, uh, who's actually based in Brazil, uh, in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is replying to Daniel Whiteson, um, saying maybe it's about the Ubatuba, about Ubatuba, the city in Brazil. There was a, uh, a slightly famous mm -hmm. UFO case there. Uh, some, oh, some type exactly. of crash, actually. That's that's interesting. Um, awesome insight, as always, Lucas VB. Um, so uh, Tyler Hewlett says, right, was more making a comment than a question. I don't know who he's referring to. I apologize to our listeners who are not seeing the comments at the moment. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly what he's talking about there. So Daniel and says Gary Nolan Stanford uh, concedes that some of the unusual properties they thought indicated that the metal had fallen from flying saucers, in yeah. fact, have quote unquote very conventional explanations. Yeah. So yeah. you. So exactly. So, so you can, t so like, that's amazing though, right? He's one of those scientists that he's, uh, he's actually putting papers out there. He's right. doing like the real stuff, like, and he's willing to say, I did all this work. Uh, turns out that this is conventional. That's it. He, he's sure. not like, you know, sinking with the ship, uh, which is what a lot of people might be tempted to do. Right. But like, that's, uh, it's what you have to do. Like if you're right. a good, true scientist, you'll do it and it's okay. Like, right. Like well, I'll do it too, right? Like when need be, and you know, and that's how we we keep going. Is is right. what you got to do. And so Gary Nolan was the. I I just want to go back to the exact kind of what he's referring to in that statement. Um, yeah. Gary Nolan was the one with which materials again that he researched. So he also has um, specifically uh, the ones similar to the kind of crash that I was talking about. So they also come from a like desert place like scenario that's it so like it's not like related okay. to anything else i was talking about before so that's uh, not the tom DeLong thing situation that's none of, none of, none, but, none of that. but he's a guy who's um you know taking these kinds of questions seriously um exactly. and a lot of times um they have you know they do lend themselves to very conventional explanations and he yeah. and, and he admitted yeah, that totally. in this quote fair enough yeah wonderful exactly exactly Wonderful. Which is like what we would expect, yeah, right? Yeah, what are the exactly. actual odds you get your hands on something that valuable? So like, yeah. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I love that. That's good stuff. I mean, and yeah. good stuff. So um, Tyler Hewlett says, uh, and this is responding to the comment I just read from Daniel, um, says, exactly. I've listened to Dr. Nolan explain this in a podcast quite clearly, um, and it's what I'm concerned about. Um, but if proven, they're among our best evidence. Um it did sound yeah. like, though, however, he conceded, uh, talking to Dr. Nolan, uh, talking about Dr. Nolan, that a lot of them, you know, were, you know, they did admit conventional explanations. So I can, I, I can definitely speak to him, uh, like speak on his behalf in this scenario. Cause like, okay. I talked to him like weekly, right? Like, or like monthly now, sure. uh, it's not as often, right. but We've talked a lot in detail about the stuff he's doing at the moment. Uh -huh. um, and I would say 98, let's say, or 95% of what they had, what they've looked through ever, uh, are just prosaic. But there are still samples that he's looking at even today that uh, he's working with Jacques Vallée on to publish a paper on. Like these are ones with extremely strange, um, like I believe, electromagnetic pro properties. Uh, 
I'll ask him if I can like talk about which ones. Um, and mostly like weird isotopic ratios. So like he still has things where even after, like you've already seen how skeptical he is, mm -hmm. even after all that, right. he's saying, oh, well, no, there are still things even after all this. So, so yeah, keep you know, that in mind. You know, good on him. Um, yeah, true. So um, Daniel Whiteson with another quote says, an early analysis from the 2000s suggested that the properties were accidental, the resulting byproduct of industrial processes. Have you heard that before? Um, I think he's talking about the TTSA materials, mm -hmm. like the, uh, so that one, I, it's funny. So I went through a process of thinking that this is super strong evidence of like something that we can't make. Um, but then I like actually talked to the scientists who analyzed those materials. So like this stuff was like analyzed in the labs of a Canadian scientist. He was a contractor for the Pentagon program that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and so he looked at this over a year and a half and uh, I determined that it's not a waveguide. It's not like it's not slag either. We actually consulted the so the thing that he's referring to um, it's a hypothesis that the TT, one of the TTSA materials, not okay. the Air Force one, but one of them, uh, is actually just slagged from what's called the Kroll process, uh, like uh, Bertrand Kroll process. Um, and so this scientist actually consulted an expert who has been working on the process for like 30 years, like uh, just working with it. And that guy said I've, he's never seen a combination of bismuth, magnesium, and zinc layer like that or even in that texture or color uh like slag looks like slag that wasn't that so so they pretty much ruled out that it at least comes from a random process like that i see so then I what see. they what yeah so then what he did was mm. he tried to recreate it he was like all right can we replicate the sample mm. um mm. and his sample if you want to keep like think about his capabilities try to conceptualize you know uh, i think it's a good his, idea yeah, his lab could like uh, actually like manufacture and create superconductors. Um, so like I believe like cer uh, I think ceramic based ones. Um, so anyways, this guy like he tried recreating it in his lab and uh, they failed. Like they failed pretty miserably. They weren't able to get the micron layer, layer um, layering, like the level of the layering okay. together. Uh, that was the hardest challenge. So they were actually able to put the bismuth magnesium together, but it was like oh, clunky. But they were not very able difficult. to lay it that closely. No, that was that you need like a very legit, I don't know, like 3D metal printing thing or something, or some super niche weird process that we just have not uh, thought of yet. And like it's somewhere else out there, you know, somebody figured it out. They just right. never documented right, it. Right, right. But in any case, like I my but yeah, my point though was that like uh, my opinion changed. I started out thinking this is strong evidence. Months went by and I did my investigation. I would say it's not. And TTSA has also like backed away from it. Uh, so they no longer are trying to like, yeah, research it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I think I'm going to have to rewatch this podcast to understand every claim that's being made. But uh, yeah, uh, do it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's really great. Um, so Lucas VB responding, uh, I guess, about 20 minutes ago to you know talking about what makes a you know manufactured material um he says yes i think that answers it so you did answer his question and it is uh and and is compelling enough um and he has a follow-up question uh he said, was the weirdest and most unexplained thing have you guys experienced in the sky 
that's a that's a fun one i, yeah, it's fun I, one. I, I was I expecting that. more fun ones like that but okay 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 yeah cool um i'll like i'll go like i think i have two like they compete or a couple really I, i've had a couple weird ones okay you know? so, like yeah. part of it's like the experience part of this field right like right, that's right, part right. Of why i even like do this it's not just right random so yeah. let's try and limit each experience i don't know maybe to one or two minutes uh, oh, uh, I would just want to talk about one. Oh, okay. Actually, like, yeah, like, for sure. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Like uh, the weirdest one um, I think I have is I'm gonna say the blinking one, and I've and I have a video, so I can prove it. Okay. So there's this weird one night, like I'm just like hanging out in my bed in Vancouver, um, and I noticed that there was this like like weird looking orb. You can say it looked like a wow. star or a planet that like just popped up in like my top left view and I like found it really pretty and I thought that like okay this is something that I haven't seen before went and checked it out and I realized that like if I look closely enough it was kind of moving uh like this and I was like wait hold on that's not right like that that doesn't make sense you know like whether that's a satellite or anything uh it should be just like dancing like that and where were you where were you when this happened I think think of um, I'm on the 28th floor of okay. a building, yeah, uh, in in Vancouver. Like, oh, as, actually, it's like 20 uh, kilometers out. I would say, like, not exactly in Vancouver. Um, so yeah, so and it's uh, I would say like I think 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. Uh-huh. I need I can check the timestamp, whatever. So like, but it's the point is it's dark. So like I see this thing, and like. Initially, I thought like I it's just my eyes, so I blinked a bunch of times. I like looked around, you know. I, I just like looked at back at it, and it's still doing that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and and like after like probably about 10, 15 seconds, it kind of just like stops like this, and I'm like, yo, like this is a stupid like I can't even talk about this because like <laughs> no one's even going to believe me. It's not movie anymore, you, you're right? You're putting so, your tinfoil hat on for a second. Exactly. <laughs> That's, okay. Yeah, That's okay. That was Venus. That's so okay. so I, I took my phone. I took my phone out and I was like, all right, you know what? Like F it. I, I put in already this much mental energy into like looking this thing. I'm already <laughs> feeling like an idiot. I'm just gonna say uh, I was like and I said out loud, I was like, all right, blink, blink. And I'm like mentally like asking to blink. And it does. It literally blinks, and I have this on recording. Uh, was it blinking and, the whole time? No, it wasn't. It doesn't blink at all at any point in the entire recording ever, or like even when I was visually looking at it. And so, did you uh, analyze it, it in slow mo and say, you know, and things like? You can, can see it. So it actually goes like this, and then like like this. Like it is really fading out and blinking, and you can tie it. Like um, it's very static. You can look at the contrast and see that it's very static the entire time. I say something, I see, I and see. literally, yeah, th- there's a yeah immediate response. You'll see it, and you'll even see me like say it. I literally swear, I literally, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like I say that, and That's then I end crazy. the video. <laughs> yeah, so so that would be the weirdest one. <laughs> yeah, that is that is you know, woe if true, as the kids say. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Uh, That's great. Um, I personally, um, I mean, the one thing, I mean, I. I, I guess I want to preface it by saying I don't think I've actually ever seen um, anything uh, that was quite, you know, convincing or anything. I thought I did, though, and this is when. Uh, this was, I think, the fall of 2017, um, and I just got to UCI, and me and my uh, now ex-girlfriend, we drove up to Tonopah, um, Nevada, 
mm. uh, where they have the most self-purported uh, darkest night skies in the U.S. Uh, I don't know who's checking that fact, uh, but <laughs> they they claim to. Yeah. You said self-reported, so that's fair. Yeah, I mean, and I mean it was, but I mean they are close enough to Vegas that it was. Uh, I mean, and they were dark, you know, night skies. They were, uh, and I remember we were kind of lying out uh, on the hood of our car, looking at these stars, uh, and you know it's a beautiful night sky, and there are scorpions and uh, coyotes in the area, so we didn't want to stay too long. And then we got, and so we kind of got back in the car and it was also really cold. Uh, and I swear I'm looking up, uh, you know, at this really kind of bright star. And like, I know the night sky, like I've been super into astronomy this whole time. And, uh, sure. it was from what I could recall, I mean, it was serious and I was looking at Sirius, and I was like, I swear that thing is moving. Um, like the whole thing, or like no, no, uh, no, no. Just... The, yeah, the star series. So you follow. Okay. You, yeah, you follow. So, so like, how is it moving? Like, like, uh, you know what I mean? That, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That was the thing. Is that okay, it appeared? Sure. To, and I was like, is it just me? And so I told her, you know, I was like, is that thing? And we're both physicists, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was like, is, I was like, you know, am I crazy? Or does that thing look like it's moving? And so, <laughs> uh, she's and she looks at it for a little bit. She's like, holy crap, it's going up now. Now it's going left. And now it's going down, but it wasn't. A, there wasn't anything that was so obvious. The lateral yeah. movement wasn't like across the. You know, it, it was kind of just up and down, and kind of in the same area. And we were just. I was like, that just doesn't seem right. Uh, and I we kind of looked it up, and apparently there's this. Could have been atmospheric disturbance, like sometimes. No, 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 no. Is, oh, Okay. Yeah, no, no? yeah, no. It, it it wasn't like an atmospheric disturbance. Um, we look like, like, like just shifting the light, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you think it's moving? No. Yeah, no. Uh, we looked it up and, uh, this kind of thing, uh, you know, the night sky was really dark. Uh, and apparently there's this phenomena, which, uh, at which when humans, uh, have difficulty resolving like a, like a, a distance between objects when there's no clear background, when everything kind of yeah. seems, you know, like a star field. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can have right. this illusion where things kind of start to drift. And that was exactly what it was doing. It's kind of drifting. And mm-hmm. uh, your brain kind of trying to predict its next move kind of makes it look like it's, you know, going a bit up and before. Um, <laughs> you know, the fact that it was a star serious, I knew it the whole time. It was serious. I mean, I, yeah. I've been looking at the night sky, you know, since I was like six. Yeah, um, yeah. but I was like, I swear Sirius is moving <laughs> and it there was, it, it was okay. just a wild experience. Um, that's the closest <laughs> thing I've ever had, but uh-huh. you know, I don't think Sirius is changing, you know? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. That's definitely not like, uh, like something that's 50 feet wide and you're like, you know, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm upset, you know, I've never actually, you know, had <laughs> one of those crazy experiences, but I mean, well, dude, you know what? Life is weird and like intent is a powerful thing. So <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Um, uh, so Richard saying, I just Googled you to find out more. That's you, uh, deep Prasad. Uh, and the third link is about you being abducted by aliens, question mark. <laughs> is that um yeah. is that related to your thread that you uh posted a long exactly. time ago that was your exactly that was your first experience and i mean from what i recall you're really intellectually honest in that thread saying yep. you know yep. uh saying you weren't sure if it was a dream this or that but this is 
you I know. can't prove. Right. Well, yeah, I can't prove that it was real. You know what I mean? Right, or right. physically anything. This is just what happened. Yeah. 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 Right, yeah. Um, and so I guess you got interviewed by somebody for that, or was that just from Twitter, you think? So I got interviewed um, by a guy who's, um, he's like on Wikipedia, he, it says he's won anywhere between six to 24 Emmy Awards, depending on the source. But he's won a lot of like regional Emmy, Emmys, like at least 12. This guy interviewed me about my experience <laughs> because like, he needed uh, material. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah he's like yo <laughs> this guy is crazy though what's wrong with him uh-huh. like let's find out what's like like what's the story you know what i mean right. so 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 yeah like uh so you can imagine that was like the uh the most nerve-wracking moment like of my entire life was like just posting that like like all right guys like like huddle up like you've been following me for eight months like right. you know you've right, on twitter right, right, right. right like you've all like like I have like I knew I had respect like as course, a scientist yeah, yeah. who has had no experience like I you know right. like that was part of my objectivity and so then I came out with this uh and so like I surprisingly it was mostly a positive response like 90 yeah but no. then there's like these like like paid skeptics like guys who are actually professional skeptics right like Jason Colavito who right, like right. wrote articles and stuff and they're like Deep Prasad describes a dream. What an idiot. You know, like stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I mean, like you, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, you admitted there, you were saying you didn't know if it was exactly. a dream. You weren't trying to That's make right. any deep statements about the world, no pun intended. Um, yeah. And from whatever call, you know, it was an interesting experience. I mean, if nonetheless, um, it's, you were in an interesting state of awareness uh, that, you know, not many people ever get to experience this kind of suspension between being asleep and awake. Um, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the way that I see it right now, like after like it's all been done is that like, I still think it's an open-ended question as to why people have the kind of experiences I did. Like, you know, I was wide awake in my waking state. Like, uh, I'm not some like crazy person as far as I can tell. Right. And like, like kind of half drifting off asleep were you not or was i this mis- happened at 9 40 in the morning uh oh, okay. and like this was after yeah like i was like fully like on my laptop and i just put it down you know like i can even prove i was messaging people before this okay like, yeah, you know yeah. you know what i mean sure, so sure. like so so uh and all of this uh went down like while uh wide awake so the that's the thing that like guys like jason calavito you know whatever uh other like debunkers you can say uh, say is that it just sounds like sleep paralysis there are elements in the sense that i couldn't move that is fully true but like at no point did i actually go to sleep um like or any of that but uh yeah so like the thing though is that from what i was saying though was that like i'm somebody who has a lot to lose to even like say this to a normal person who i just know like as a friend you know as a right. colleague i've like reputation means so much uh as a tech CEO, you know, especially in like quantum info and stuff, but yeah. so easy to get like freaking owned, you know, like, uh, so, so, so that being said though, um, it's important because the after effects were real. The, the fact that it changes a person that's real. So, and were and that's you into the, UFOs? so I was uh, definitely researching it three months prior before that I had absolutely nothing. Like it, there was, I had no track record, no interest, none of that. So, really? uh, yeah. At, at all okay. so like 
Well, when I was 12, I was into this stuff. Uh, sure. I will Who say wasn't? that. Who but wasn't I became when they were 12, a d- you know? I mean. <laughs> True. Dude, I literally read like all these like forums, you know, like debunking like Bob Lazar and whatnot. And right. so like I became a skeptic. I was like, all right, these adults, they, right. they know what they're doing. So sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like called it off. Yeah, but, no, but yeah. I mean like no, yeah. I mean, no 12 year old is like, you know, like that's bullshit. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Dude. I bet wow. I can find counterexamples. There are some I'm interesting sure are. characters in the UFO field who will debunk like their own mom. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're that hardcore. Yeah, no, that's that's fun stuff. Okay, so moving yeah. down, this is great. Um, so Richard saying, "Oh, you're a ufologist, this and that." Um, Daniel Whiteson said, "Extraordinary claims." Dot dot dot. I I believe, uh, in reference to saying, requires extraordinary evidence. Um, yep. And that's fair. I mean, and I don't think Deep would disagree with you. Yeah, no, I don't at all. Um, I, the only thing I disagree with is that, like, it is a trope, right? Like, the it is a scientific trope, you know, extra, extraordinary. Like, in the scientific method, at no point does it say that. Right. But when it comes to something like this, uh, yes, totally. Like, specifically in the case of, like, trying to say there's ET life here. Like, for that, the barrier of entry should be, like, enormously high. Right. You know, like... The same level, uh, think back to like when the Higgs boson was dis- discovered. Yeah. You know, you had like 10 dozens, hundreds of scientists, you know, sign off on those papers. Right. Uh, we need that level. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Um, y- yeah. y- y- you know, you definitely do. Um, but, you know, it, there wasn't. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, no, I mean, there wasn't people being censured for, you know, predicting the Higgs boson and saying uh, this and that. I mean, uh, if you know if it were a more open uh idea uh i feel like um although the discovery of the higgs boson wasn't tied together with national security issues like this seems to be as well um this is very deeply for so many reasons right besides technology it would be such a psychological shift right like all what like dude like look at what corona did right right like, i mean even just from a psychology perspective yeah i mean yeah. to me like i don't i don't want to you know bank on this you know people can't handle it kind of thing um to me i feel like it's more uh i don't know like yeah, I mean, people can handle it or they can't. I don't know. I don't think the world would necessarily, you know, lose its mind. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. But, but I think the 1% that might or probably would is bad enough, I think. I don't know. What do you think? No, um, I don't. I mean, it depends on, you know, the exposure. Um, I mean, yeah, because people who think, you know, you know, for instance, UFOs, at least one UFO encounter is reliable uh have already gotten you know the shaking of their world uh you know uh that we're not alone uh, one of my favorite right. quotes i can't remember who it's by is that you know either we're alone in this universe or we're not and both are equally terrifying yeah yeah um, i i feel like stephen hawking said that but i don't want to over subscribe you know yeah, to random yeah i don't know <laughs> major scientists yeah i mean but no i yeah. I, I agree and, and here's the thing like at no point do I ever want anybody to believe that I'm saying, yo, listen, believe everything I'm saying or believe everything right, right. I believe. I, I never, I want, never yeah. got that from you. Uh, personally. Yeah, uh, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but yeah, go ahead. I will debate the facts. I will debate my opinion and my beliefs, but I'll, yeah, I'm not going to punish someone for not agreeing, but yeah, go for it. Um, I was just reading this comment. 
um, by uh, Daniel Whiteson again, saying that there's lots of examples of mainstream science changing course in the last century. It happens. The thing that makes it happen is convincing data. And I yep. mean, and I think you're the first to admit to say that, you know, UFOs are not the field of convincing data. If there were, you know, then no. it would be. And that's certainly something, you know, of so difficult to, uh, you know, it's like a rare sighting. It's like, oh, does this species of bird really exist? Or is this just a random, you know, mutation? Of this it thing? is. It, right? It's you very much like observe. the giant squid, you know, like people right. didn't believe that. Ex people didn't believe the flippin' uh, panda existed. Oh, a, a docile bear who eats bamboo, <laughs> you know, in China, like get out of here. Sure. Bro. No, like, I mean, but I mean, so, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's why, you know, I enjoy science because, you know, science is, doing exactly. a necessary endeavor by requiring this very very rigorous uh Dude, amount of it. data yeah. from us but uh that doesn't mean people can't i mean you know you can't go outside of that you know i feel like so many people are so afraid of just saying you know just don't present it as truth don't you know don't present it exactly. as 100 percent. this is established exactly um and i think yeah. that has been a big problem in ufology like without a doubt because it's such a like wild west still you know right. that's something i'm trying to do as well right like out just out, just on my own time try to standardize it but yeah right, like right. you have a lot of kooks saying this is the truth like <laughs> i am an alien ambassador right that's right, problematic right. and people actually start following those kinds of guys the lizard so, people and everything dude yeah <laughs> exactly. no i mean and, and and you're absolutely right i mean there's not enough uh there's not enough rigor in this kind of uh thing going yeah. on and um the, but when you have like cases like this and the Pentagon talking about them, that's compelling. And those no, guys you're absolutely to right. with you, yeah. then yeah. 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 I don't want to, I, I don't want that to get swept under the rug. You know, it's enough to, you know, have uh, the United States defense uh, investigating yeah. <laughs> these things. Uh, I agree. And, you know, even if 90% of them are, I don't know, you know, people seeing what I saw, you know, out in Donapa, Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah then whatever i mean that's still 10 percent you know of cases that are in the truest sense unexplained uh and n whether they be uh from foreign countries or uh, or uh or from i don't know some more exotic exactly. places uh there are definitely things that need to be um <laughs> and, and daniel whiteson says for what it's worth nobody wants to believe in aliens more than me yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. dude we're all in the same boat trust me man. yeah I, um, i'm like i'm like trying to <clears throat> when the day i say guys aliens exist and i can prove it believe me i like you know it's worth it it's yeah, probably no. worth listening you know i <laughs> yeah no i think we're all on the same page there um same yeah. thing i mean personally like this is why like like if i like I have been falsely accused of being brave uh, by going <laughs> into, so in Cornell, uh, yeah. you know, there's like a creepy graveyard and I thought it was always, okay. you know, I, I thought it was always beautiful even at night, you know, oh, that's awesome. um, <laughs> and I walked through and people always ask me like why I wasn't afraid of like ghosts and spirits <laughs> or anything. And like, I mean, those are truly things, you know, like I have just been so, you know, unconvinced stuff for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it, but nothing inside of me would want more to be true <laughs> than having one of these wild ass experiences awesome. happen. Like, awesome. like I would want <laughs> nothing more to be so, true. So 
then I want you to go to Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Leap, like I'll go on like these crazy shows, you know, like I'll do anything. That's hilarious. Like, I just want to experience something that completely fucks me up um, yeah. in terms of. But no, okay. I want you. To, okay. But I want you to be rational. Though. Think about this. Do you really want to think about the burden though that you would be putting yourself under? Because when it happens, let's say it does, do you really want to be that guy who has to live a double life? Cause like, that's the life I was living for a while until I was like, all right, screw this. Like, yo, this is who I am. I'm already living a double life deep. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Nomer. <laughs> Between Mr. Nomer and uh, initial observer. <laughs> Superposition both. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, Arnav Prasad, is that is that somebody you're related to, Arnav Prasad? Yeah, that's my cousin. Okay, says, how has your university experience uh, facilitated your passion for physics? Tonight's not the time for that question, Arnav. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're talking UFOs. <laughs> so, so one thing that really helped, I think, was my, like, an hatred and no offense easy like field it doesn't require like it's a lot of like rote material like if you slack off you don't go to class you're screwed like you, right, it's not right. about being a genius you just know you need to know so much but like beyond that like i was constantly thinking of other things about the world like reality and so like right. physics was like one of my escapes and i was always into physics like in high school so like yeah i, I always like try to keep up to date um and so was, uh lucas phoebe is wondering uh what yeah. Uh, where he could possibly see your um, uh, blinking video of the UFO blinking thing. Um, so what I could do is like upload it and make it public again. You like know what I, you should I, do I, is you should yeah. is you should just uh, spend you know like five hours going through the contrast. You know, like upload the raw footage yeah. and you know your analysis of it and saying this is what happened and then upload the good idea. Yeah, and just being like, okay. That's true. I said blink, and like you know, I saw these, yeah. uh, you know, these contrast dips. I think that'd be really, really great. Yeah, that'd um, be fun. Yeah, so uh, we'll keep you right Updated. up on it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. So also, Sam Lingle wondering where he can see the orb video. Um. Cool. Oh, this is a great question that I was gonna ask. Uh, Lucas VB, okay. what are your opinions on Bob Lazar? Dude, oh, <laughs> yes. I'm actually so glad somebody brought him up. I was going the, to. I, the I absolute to. enigma of ufology. Oh, the biggest, the guy who's more mysterious than dark matter, all right? Like, that's what we're <laughs> dealing with here. Um, um, for, like, I, should I give, like, a TLDR? Like, sure, my, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. one-sentence yeah, yeah. opinion? Yeah, let's talk about, um, so, okay, okay, so Deep is about okay. to summarize for us um, the the famous, infamous Bob Lazar. Not a real physicist. Definitely did not go to MIT or Caltech. But he, but he, yeah. But he claimed he did. He claimed he did exactly. So that's why I'm saying he's not. Uh, I don't. Okay. I don't think. And there's no records. There's no evidence. Anyways, uh, right. he doesn't. He just doesn't have the rigor. You know, like for example, one thing that kept annoying me was that, like, with uh, gravity waves, he would say gravity is a wave. Right. Like. Like, I'm like, dude, stop saying that. Like, gravity waves is different than saying gravity, like, the gravitons is also a wave. Like, that's, like, yet to be, you know, understood right. and all that. Like, whenever like, he started talking about actual physics, I was like, ah. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. But, like, there's also yeah. all this, like, newspapers and huge track record of him, like, actually building all this cool stuff. Right, so, like, right. he's, like, a technical guy. It's just not, he's like, a tinker. you know, math. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. So... 
and he and you can prove that he was actually there where he said he was like at that wow. like he worked um you know in those facilities we don't we can't prove that he actually worked on alien spacecraft but here's my like sentence i do believe for what it's worth and i'm not saying this because like i read lots of internet articles right like i'm saying this because right. i try to do my diligence i do believe he saw what he saw uh, I don't know what uh, explains, you know, what he saw, what he saw. It could be a prank on him. Who knows? Whatever. I think he saw that. Uh, I think he's an advanced information agent. So um, what does that mean? In part, disinformation is like it's a huge. So if you study counterintelligence or you work with like counterintel people, tactic to throw off the enemy is to put out information that's just false, right? To like keep them off the trail. So the disinformation can show up in so many different ways. It can be manipula um, media manipulation. Right. Um, it can be filing like false patents and papers on things you know are bunk so that spies like follow the wrong trail. Like that. that's all disinfo. So I believe Bob is an advanced kind of disinfo agent in that sense. And um, he's allowed to talk because people know that it keeps us distracted from whatever's truly going on and that might be something as simple as advanced vessel testing but i'm still and i have yet to rule out that it's something even weirder you know and like weirder as in what we were talking about but who knows like only time will tell so um lucas vb with a follow-up um saying what do you mean quote he saw what he saw all the ufo <laughs> stuff and his s4 stories what's the s4 um oh, s4 that's is four. The right right that's the base right yeah yeah, yeah. exactly okay so did he complete the question? No, 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 like, no, no. He, he's asking you by like what you meant by. Uh, oh, I see. He saw what like, he I, saw. Oh, so so at S four he saw a couple things. Like for example, um, he saw essentially. Well, first of all, he saw a, a nine different crafts. That's what he claims, and he saw one that he was actually able to. He was allowed to go inside of and at least see one level of, and it's like a disc, like saucer, like object. And his claim is that all of these technologies were based off of, first of all, there was no wires, and it was based off of some sort of gravitational-like effect. And so I'm saying gravitational-like. I'm actually being right. more, you know. You're being generous you know, to him. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Like so, so, so Exactly. So I believe he saw the things that he claimed. Like, like he, he said there were experiments he said he did. For example, one where a candlelight is frozen, like in like a piece of it. Uh, and it's just frozen in time. Maybe that's possible, and it's some sort of trick, or it's actually real. Who knows? I but I like just my gut feeling says it. Who knows, right? Like sue me, right? If I'm wrong, <laughs> like I, I got break, dude. Like yeah, sure. But uh, yeah. it is what it is. That's the kind of stuff that I think he saw. So, and weird documents Fair about enough. aliens. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. No. I don't. Uh, in terms of my opinions about you know Bob Lazar, I mean I. Uh, I remember, I mean, the first exposure I had to him uh, was in uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. And I mean, like, he seemed like a genuine person. Um, yeah. I think the the Nimitz guy was a lot better um, in terms of uh, what he had to offer. And he's back by the government. This guy has briefed right. Congress multiple times in the last couple of years. Right. right? So, like, like, Lazar can't say that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I didn't even know what to make of Bob Lazar because what is he trying, you know, what is he trying to gain? And it, it like his whole story just didn't make sense to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, a lot of his stuff didn't seem to add up. Like, why would they call you in, Bob? Like, you, like, like he didn't even know, like, how to pronounce LIGO. Like, <laughs> like, you know, not that, not that, that that's the ultimate bar, but like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but like somebody. No, like, I, I totally get it, dude. Uh, yeah. So the way, here's my thinking. If this is true, it big, huge, massive if. Okay. The okay. only way it could possibly be true is like, the, if like, this is the 80s, you know, it's Vegas. There isn't exactly a huge pool of talent or like the internet <laughs> to like flip and reach out to like Dylan Berger, right? Like you're going to reach <laughs> out to the weird guys who are like smart, like, like at least like, cause like when you're dealing with real alien tech, it, we're all equals. Like we're all equally stupid. Right, Trust right, me. That right. is like something we should, if you actually believe something you get here. Right. Sure. So, so, so yeah, maybe they were like, all right, let's give this guy a chance. Uh, and he's, like plausible he's weird enough that we can have plausible deniability nobody will believe that he worked for us right he's perfect for that but uh but yeah like i said huge it. yeah i don't know it's a very weird thing i gotta think about it more deeply i'm more interested in like what Faber saw and trying to understand the uh the physics Who's and the Faber? engineering Faber? commander Faber, the the guy the pilot from the uss nimitz oh, who saw oh. the tic tac yeah 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 for some reason um <laughs> oh yeah no worries <laughs> um Okay, so Lucas VB recapping on this. He says, so in short, um, you, Deep, uh, believe his story, uh, but you think he's extrapolating the physics without knowing enough about it. I think that's fair, yep. more or less, analysis. Yep. yep. Interesting. Um, I think that, like, as a first-order approximation itself has corrections to make because, you know, then things seem even weirder. You know, because he seems to be very, very, yeah. you know. Um, He's very specific yeah. about some things that, like, yeah. Go, cool. Okay, I want to say one more thing. Actually, some. I, I should have said it earlier. It's probably the most important thing about Bob Lazar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's funny. So, so, so the system that he described about gravitational wave amplifiers and all this stuff. That this was in the eighties. This showed up in actual Navy patents. The Navy spent. The top naval air base, like this is where like the most advanced, you know, military yeah, uh, weapons come out of and like aerospace technologies. They filed patents uh, the last couple of years using the exact same technology. It, like it's using gravitational wave amplifiers. It's almost looking exactly like how Bob Lazar described it. But we don't have gravitational wave amplifiers, do we? I agree. Yeah, Dude, I, mean, this, I'm I wrote a whole article about it. I was <laughs> like, what is this? Like what is all this like? legit dude they're talking about room temperature superconductors <laughs> i'm like hold up like what what well, sure. you know? I mean, so assuming like, you know room temperature superconductors and gravity yeah, wave amplifiers of course you could that. make a ufo i i agree and, and even then you know i'd have to see it to believe it but but i was like all right step one figure out how to generate gravity wave you know right. like and and so the weirdest thing though is that this is like like i'm like i said it's the most advanced naval air uh test base you know, filing these patents and the capabilities of this aircraft uh, are the exact same ones that these UFOs um, can do. So right. that started a whole like wave of like, why are people doing this? Uh, or like, why are they filing these patents? Right. And I think that the weirdest, most unanswered question is why is this literally like some guy like looked at Bob Lazar's like Joe Rogan video, you know, but like all this was filed years ago, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And then just like got inspired. And, like yeah. somebody explained that so you know I agree. it's just weird <laughs> yeah um so um this is seven on andres 
says, Lazar has never explained why mass um, spectrometry, uh, spec yeah, that's right, yep. um, fails when it comes to his element 115. That's the Anun Pentium or something like that, right? Um, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Wait, Unobtainium, maybe? I thought it was Unobtainium. Whatever it is. Let's just call it 115. <laughs> yeah, yeah, element 115. So, um, well, my understanding is that, like, if you actually, like, have worked with um, mass spectrometry and, like, data, um, that's only going to work if you're matching it against a database um, of already known and existing spectra. So, like, if you don't already have something to compare against, you have these meaningless peaks. Like if you if you tr have a true element, a real element you've never come in across. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like a system will say, "Oh, that's definitely element." Right, uh, right. So, so, so that's why I, I can't. I don't think it's an element one fifteen specific problem. You would need to. There are other methods, I believe, that could give you that element, but um, uh, I'm not sure. I, I would have to double check. Yeah, no, I yeah. don't. I mean, I know how it's just spectroscopy. It's not works. obvious. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, I mean, you have, to me, it comes down to the fact of, you know, what atoms you can, uh, solve the, uh, Schrodinger equation for exactly, find the energy eigenstates. And to my understanding, you can do that at least numerically. And so in principle, you should know what lines you should see, right? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, in, well, in the 21st century, we have enough compute power to do that. Um, I, I would imagine, but I don't think we could do that analytically for like, let's say something that as heavy as 115, but that's just, uh, Oh no, yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. I don't know enough about material science to be able to say that. Um, so Lucas VB says that, uh, his explanation of 115, uh, and gravity a and quote unquote gravity B is bonkers. I've never heard him trying to explain gravity and gravity B. What have you heard? him try and make oh, that distinction. Oh, I'm big on this. It's been a while. Uh, he unifies the one of the forces. Oh, no. He's like the, doing the this? Strong, oh. Without saying it. He doesn't say, I've unified oh. it. He just says that the strong force is actually the gravitational force, I think. Oh, the, no. Yeah, I would <laughs> It sounds like some Nassim Haramain bullshit. Oh, God. I recently found out about him. I'm actually oh, surprised man. I went so long without learning about him. But I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, no. you got to so, listen so, to Nassim Haramein. He's, he, I will say, yeah. he's the worst. I will say, though, <laughs> that uh, one of my like colleagues, uh, he found like me through one of these like UFO podcasts. Turns out that he's a U of T physicist, like he's uh, like fac like now faculty. Um, and I posted his response about like his theorizing how the physics would work for like what Bob Lazar was explaining with gravity A and B. Okay. So that's like assuming, you know what I mean? So it's not. Well, I don't know anything off, about what he's saying about gravity A and B. I have no idea what he's saying. I've never even so, heard it. Uh, let me send you my post. I mean, I, I'm forgetting the details myself. Like, okay, cause okay. like I remember it. Yeah. Anyways, the, the point though is that here's the thing about a good bullshitter, right? Like, like <laughs> if, is that like he can say just enough that guys like you and I will fill in the blanks and we're being polite and we don't realize, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't know if I'm doing that, but like this is what that post was. Yeah, like, no, that's fair. Like, maybe if we're filling yeah. in the blanks, you know, generously, maybe we should. Uh, yeah, not. <laughs> right on. Um, so Lucas VB says, uh, un unpentium. Yes, that's what it's called. Uh, I think unobtainium is the thing in Avatar. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's saying Avatar is gold, so one yeah. day. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, is a placeholder for element 
uh, z equals 115, um, but it's been already named uh, Muscovium. It's the famous quote-unquote Bob Lazar tapes. I'm all quoting Lucas VB here where he explains shit. Uh, put that on there. That's what Lucas VB said. I don't <laughs> Okay. Um, so Lucas VB, yeah, he literally calls the strong nuclear force as a misidentified gravity force. Whoa, let's get the DJ <laughs> yeah, <airport. yeah. laughs> Whoa. He went there. Not only does he go there, he does wow. it in the 80s with like these funny glasses. Wow. He's like, well, it's all nonsense. Oh, it's really no. funny. Oh, man, Bobby, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, he got roasted for that because he didn't provide any mathematics, which, like I said, he didn't go to MIT or anything. You can't expect well, that. Why would he lie about that? Like, was he just like, I, <laughs> like, what was he trying to do? I'm telling you, he's an advanced disinfo agent. Like, uh, like the, he, he so probably you think he's just like making all of his money, like from like the government telling him to put out this bullshit or something. Like, I mean, what does a disinfo agent even look like? I think, I think the government realized that he didn't actually go to MIT. Maybe he managed to fool them back then pre-internet. Yeah. And then he just got caught telling a lie. Like, cause like when he went to the press, you know, in the eighties and said, I'm Bob Lazar, would you believe a guy who made like you know uh, a hydrogen powered car or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Or like, would you believe a guy who did that and also went to MIT, right? So he's like, yeah, I also went to MIT. You know, like <laughs> listen to me, aliens. So like, maybe that's what he did. Then he just man, stuck with it. That's heavy stuff, man. I don't know, it's, dude. I, that's why I call him an enigma, I, man. I don't just know. Like, Nobody does. Yeah, Nobody I mean, does. but I think he's going off the deep end. I mean, there's also this other UFO guy. Uh, I yeah. I can't remember his name, but he looks like he does a lot of curls and like he's got a Netflix documentary. Oh, Jerry Corbell. <laughs> that sounds right. And like, yeah, that's Jerry Corbell. <laughs> like, like the hipster kind of guy, you know, the big beard. No, no, no beard. Oh, no beard. No beard. Oh, beard. He's like older. Okay, who? Yeah. Oh man, what is his name? It's, is he making a documentary or starring in one? He's like the the guy. Luis Elizondo? I don't know. I don't know his name, Deep. <laughs> well, what else does he look like, man? Like, Big doesn't he's really He's white help. as fuck. Uh, he's older. Okay. Um, okay. George and... Knapp? Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, go for it. But all I know is that, like, he talks about, like, um, like, like, he became the second important guy, like, in Congress about, uh, you know, investigating UFOs and stuff, and like the government came after, and like it's like a really, really popular documentary. Um, and but like at the end, he has like these like Taylor Swift clips about like how people are changing and shit like that, and like it's just super, super like just voids any argument he was trying to make, like just purely on the base of the cringe. I mean, because like 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 I was telling you earlier, like you know, like I'm able to separate, you know, like just like. Like sometimes, like I'll just like watch like shitty like yeah. like YouTube UFO channels just to see, like I don't want to be a dick, but like laugh at how like <laughs> like no, like how that. like how bad their uh, analysis is. Um, like <laughs> right. like like there's no way that this is a UFO. Or there's no way that this is a yeah. plane. <laughs> it's blinking red and green. Right. I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Secured Team, for example, which yeah. is a known hoax channel. That's the most baffling yeah. part. No, I, I, no, I, I watch Secured Team 
sometimes purely for the entertainment. Um, <laughs> like there is nothing educational you should ever learn from security. No, no, yeah, it's only if you have some IQ points to spare, and even then, like you really have to like yeah. dislike yourself. Yeah, no, I I think it's hilarious. Like anybody doesn't watch Security <laughs> Ten, like you're missing out because <laughs> get on it. <laughs> yeah, like it is, it is like if you're looking for a good comedy to go to sleep to, it's great. <laughs> okay. Um, so Steve Trattel, uh, is this because the relativistic corrections for large enough atoms are too difficult for us to numerically calculate? Uh, I think he's referring to the unadventium thing. Yeah, to, to, to calculate it. I don't think we need um, relativistic corrections, right? For... It, it's nothing like that. It's just like calculating, like, let's say the ground state of a super complex system. Right, or right. like if you're, if you're using like destiny functional theory like to calculate that right um those atomic properties um yeah it, it's super computationally expensive um, yeah and it's not even clear how to do it i mean because at that exactly. point you know a lot of things come into play the you know the a lot of things become just approximations that we just have to accept like uh but yeah go for it right yeah i mean i mean i'm just saying that uh, a lot of things come into play there where um like the size of the nucleus, you know, the radius yeah. of the nucleus and the actual strong force, you know, at those distances becomes, I mean, and, and, and how it interacts with, uh, I mean, and exactly how far out it goes. I mean, just so many different things come into play when you're dealing with, I mean, I mean, nobody knows. I mean, it's not this big blob of just spheres <laughs> condensed yeah. on one another. That's right. That's I mean, right. It, it's just this big mess of, of interaction terms in the Hamiltonian that like, <laughs> like yep. you, and you don't know where the theory becomes strongly coupled and where it does. <laughs> and this is a big thing. Yeah. It's a mess. It's kind of like, like you ask like any physicist, like, Hey, what happens if I just like looked under a microscope, a really powerful one at the deepest, like parts of an atom and just went deeper, you know, we'd all just give you fuzzy answers. It would be right, so conflicting. Right. Like it'd be like, no, screw your, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's very fuzzy. Oh, oh, oh. Everybody knows yeah. who I'm talking about. Stephen Greer. The guy. Oh, dude. <laughs> Man, that guy's a living meme. Yo. He's, he's actually done some good work, but wow. Yeah, he no, really that's what the guy... That guy's a like, Dude, everybody oh, so was... Funny. There's like three comments here being like <laughs> three Stephen, Stephen Greer. Greer's. <laughs> Stephen Greer. No disrespect to him, even though I kind of just did, but like, <sighs> wow. Yeah, oh, that's so funny. Now that makes sense. Yeah, he's ripped, man. Oh, my God, he's and Lucas BB. Okay. So, so what's the deal with Greer? I mean, what should I think of? I mean, I don't want to put you on blast about him, but like, I no, that's fine. You know, so, his claims and things like that, because he makes some wild claims that you know, half the time I'm just like, what? Like, I think he like tears up in one of them, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. All right. So, so first of all, Greer is. He started out as a very legit practiced medical doctor, like ER doctor, right. very coherent guy, like super scientific, not like my level scientific. Like, I don't want to like boot to my own horn. He wasn't that rigorous ever, but like <laughs> he, he was like, he was like not bad, you know, like compared to other ufologists, he was like a blessing at the time. Sure, sure, uh, sure. So, so this guy, like he had a lot of pull. He was really influential just because of his own money and connections. So what he did was he started a movement. He actually got 
congressional hearings. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's what he said like in that. his like documentaries and stuff. And that's true. That that stuff really did happen. And he really did get lots of people who are like official government whistleblowers. You can say he found vehicles to get them out there. But then over time, he started believing just about anybody. Mm. That was the biggest problem. And he started like thinking he's God. Mm. Like basically, he developed a crazy ego complex, man. <laughs> like. L- no, unhealthy dude, from levels. like from like the literal first minute of his uh netflix special i was like this dude <laughs> like he thinks he he is like you know yep. just doing curls for the camera <laughs> that's right might as well I'm just, yeah oh, no i mean there's a camera there yeah exactly i mean it, it, it was really really i had trouble believing a lot of things he said but again like i'm somebody in who can watch documentaries and take away things that seem like interesting facts look them up right. and see if they're true um right. and also laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> um i think it's uh, just an- no, that's what you gotta do like he's uh at this point he's done good work that's about it disregard anything he says like don't, don't uh, waste I see, your time I see, I see. The stuff he's done, though, like CE5, that's interesting. And that actually has some scientific uh, interest. And But yeah, him, like, forget it, dude. Like, he's a good meme to laugh at. Just like fair this enough, movie doesn't laugh at. Yeah, no, but that's exactly what I was thinking of Stephen Greer. And, like, the end of his doc, like, his documentary, the Netflix one, is just so cheesy. Like, please watch <laughs> till the end. Like, like he's literally like, the world is changing. And it goes into this whole new agey. Oh, that yeah. was him. Yeah, like, this whole, like, new agey thing where, like, like Taylor Swift is like this is before she came out with like look what you made me do like this is yeah, oh, that's it, yeah yeah it's great stuff <laughs> wow I might watch I'm gonna watch that eventually yeah please do please do, do okay so I got a question for you uh what do you think yeah. is the um best either YouTube channel uh I'll say best YouTube channel where I can get you know rational discussion about uh UFOs or UAPs, yeah so you know? So um, I would say engaging the phenomenon. They're a really good one. Engaging the phenomenon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. Um, so they give you up to date on everything. And also post-disclosure. Like, uh, his, Is that he, UFO he Jesus? By, UFO Jesus, yeah. He, it's a funny name. He's a humorous guy. Yeah. But he's super, like, he's actually, like, ironically rational. Like, he's mm-hmm. not the kind of guy you would expect to be, like, a good thinker. But he is. Sure, like, he sure. won't bull- he won't bullshit you or something, so yeah. Yeah, no, he's a funny guy. But okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So um, we got one more question. Um, So we're probably going to call it five minutes here. We've been actually gone yeah. for about almost two hours. Wow, this is awesome. That's amazing, um, yeah. So um, what do you think of Admiral Wilson's documents? Okay, so I will say right off the bat, I know the people directly uh, who have uh, custody over the original documents. So I know they're real, and I know who sent it to them. That person, all I can say was a CIA scientist. That is real, period. Those documents, the implications, all that, those conversations happened. I can't say that the actual content is true, Mm. obviously, but I can say those documents are real. Yeah. Okay. And so what do they say exactly um, for those of us who don't know? A quick summary of the Wilson documents is it's a meeting between uh, Admiral Wilson. He's one of the top admirals, uh, and he's a real guy. You can look him up, and and everybody in this document is uh, real. So like um, 
So it's a conversation. He had essentially learned about what's called a SAP. So we didn't talk about them earlier, but a SAP uh, stands for Special Access Program. So these are programs that uh, are they are they have no um, government oversight. They don't need to um, basically answer to anybody. And so normally they're used for weapons programs and defense programs. Um, but then there was uh, specific SAPs that he found where he had no clearance and no need to know to access those SAPs. Mm -hmm. And this guy was like, yo, I report to the president directly. Like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, like block me from accessing this. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so he tried to figure out like, and he meets with two representatives of that SAP. Turns out that this SAP is no longer in congressional control. It's mostly private enterprise folks who are running the show uh, there. And he really didn't have the right high enough clearance. And what he did was he asked them questions. He was allowed to ask them what it is at least about. And uh, they said that they have um, – it's a reverse engineering program. And that's what the SAP is for. And he I said, see. what are you reverse engineering? Uh, and he said that they're reverse engineering uh, vehicles, technology that were not made on earth, not made by human hands. And they literally said this, and this was recorded in the document. I see. So, there, so yeah, there was a lot of controversy about whether, whether this was actually true. said to Admiral oh, Wilson. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, whether or not it's true is also right. No, yeah, right. I mean, question. but 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 your statement was that you you're not convinced it's true, but um, there's that you have good reason to believe. That somebody said, it. and it was recorded. I know that's true. Like, right. I, okay. I, I, okay. The, Fair yeah, enough. That person's very legit. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I just wanted to go off on. Uh, slight side tangent uh and i know the people cool. in the comments will know this um whoever um bob lazar whoever he keeps walking around with his his hype man that's jeremy corbell okay okay that guy needs to like shut up because like <laughs> like he started like like he went on the joe Rogan <laughs> podcast and started talking about I know, like, and everyone got triggered by that they weren't even paying attention to lazar they're like why is this guy here you i know, know i know i was like he was like i don't know what it's called but it's called the wilson the wilson paper or whatever and like he just like couldn't think of it and i'm like dude like i don't know who you are but like you're not helping bobby <laughs> you're not helping bobby that's funny <laughs> okay and so lucas vb talking more about uh greer dr greer um is the ce5 close close encounters of the fifth kind protocol guy right um yeah. that claims if you go to the middle of nowhere and mediate Oh, and meditate. UFOs meditate. will appear. I don't think that will happen. Not in the way that they probably imagine it. So you're not going to see like a saucer or something. And uh, it, it is something that like people are trying to scientifically verify, right? It's one of those right. great sure. areas where like we actually like I'm working with a team, for example, uh -huh. who's like they're trying to build cameras and work with people who can claim they can do these things. And so they have like fifty thousand dollar plus equipment. What? Uh, like ready? Yeah, like FLIR equipment. Like we're looking at like like a huge part of the spectrum. Way actually, more expensive just like... than my microphone. <laughs> I guess so, man. <laughs> uh, and we've shot some interesting stuff. We posted it like as well. I can send you the yeah, link yeah, to yeah. that. And I send you like the bulk links. You guys can check it out. Um, but so yeah, so th that's an active field. I have no comment until I see like their results and data so yeah, yeah no that's i've never even heard of that that's uh pretty wild stuff <laughs> that's what i was saying that that like i wouldn't don't equate that with greer greer actually stole that from a group called the rama group right, and this is right. well known too like, i'm just saying it seems like he just like stole a bunch of spiritual woo from like 
<laughs> like people who Basically. read too much Deepak Chopra. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, They're listening to the wrong deep, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yo, get the fire. Get the fire horn. Get the fire. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so it looks like we are uh, out of time, out of mind. Uh, tequila's kicked in, and that means it's time to make some Easy Mac. <laughs> all right, cool, man. All right. So thank you all for tuning in to Physics After Hours with Inertial Observer and our wonderful guest, Deep Prasad. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at, at uh, Deep Neuron as in a neuron deep inside your brain. Now, uh, Dylan, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Oh yeah, so no, this was such a great time. Uh, I look forward to having you back here. Uh, yeah, likewise. That'd be great. Yeah. While we're here in quarantine, we're just going to live it up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next time we'll get super technical quantum. I love that too. Yeah, no. So. Yeah. We, like I said, you know, we could have a whole episode thing, um, for yeah, the layman because in terms of quantum computing, I'm basically layman. Uh, so yeah, for sure. Cool. Layman, layman in disguise. Dude. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like I know yeah, quantum mechanics, but the quantum computing is, you know, I like yeah, all the fair. fresh perspectives. But that's what the comments are for. And uh, and thank you all so much for tuning in. You're awesome. Yeah, and all the awesome questions. Yeah, all your awesome questions. Like, I mean, if nobody watched this, I wouldn't make it. I mean, y'all are kind of the heart and soul of this. So I mean, like, yeah, right on. Big one hundred percent to you guys. But yeah, thank you all for tuning in and. Uh, you know, stay inertial.